When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Game Over Winnipeg and Game Over Montreal. I'm here with Brady and Hattie. We're going to have a great time tonight. We're going to have both fan bases definitely not angry at each other. <laughs> and with that in mind, the coward Mark Shifley tastes losses again. <laughs> uh, we can't win against the Montreal Canadiens, the mighty Canadiens. No, I'm just kidding. That was, that was a, I, I don't want to call it a boring game. It was a very tactical game. Yeah, that's that's exactly the way I would I would put it as well. Uh, very slow to start the game, that's for sure. Yeah, it seemed like uh, the Jets had this neutral zone trap that the Canadians just could not figure out for most of the game, and the Jets kind of were getting frustrated with the way that Canadians were defending in their own zone. Like a lot of sticks, a lot of you notice a lot of guys skating through sticks tonight, like like skating into the puck as a way to defend. It seemed like there was less stick checking and more just skating into guys, not even checking, like body checking, just skating into sticks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. It was it was um, a very, I, I think tactile is a, is a good way to put the game because uh, it just felt like both ways uh, were just kind of stuffing each other. Like it felt like in the neutral zone, I know you mentioned uh, the Jets neutral zone, but I thought like the Habs looked like great in the neutral zone they did such a good job of 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 stifling the jets offense uh the jets at least recently have been pretty good in transition but uh yeah i don't know i mean i i found it to be a little boring at the start i was hoping for a little more action the second period uh in the in the wrong way gave us a little bit more action until the end but uh wrong way in my <laughs> for me that is of course <laughs> yeah it, it was it was kind of funny i thought watching the way that it was going tactically and sorry we will push to Hattie in a second here, I promise. <laughs> but uh I looking at the way it was going in the first period my first thought was the Canadians big guys up front are gonna have to get something done to make this game open up a little bit and lo and behold Josh Anderson filled with the love of the Canadians fans in the last game after he got this crazy standing ovation for getting the first star I don't know if you guys saw the clip but it was absolutely incredible and i know we can't play it on the show because copyright and all that stuff but i wish we could just to bask in the absolute adoration that the canadians fans gave to josh anderson in like the change in culture with the canadians has kind of transferred through with the fans strangely usually like you look at guys like scott gomez who went on a similar non-goal streak and he didn't get any of that when he finally scored. You know, Josh Anderson, the fans actually do love and appreciate, even if uh, I will say controversially, if I were the Montreal Canadiens right now and he's scored three times in the last two games and appears to be playing really well, I'd be trading him as fast as possible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you should be able to hopefully get uh, get something. Uh, Hattie, 
<laughs> what'd you think of the yes. game? <laughs> oh, it was you, fantastic. Get you in on this here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, t- to the point of the whole Josh Anderson situation. I mean, there's a reason why he gets a standing ovation when he's not performing and, uh, and, and uh, Scott Gomez doesn't. It's because... Josh Anderson's trying. Like you, you can yeah. tell that he's he's just giving it everything he has on every single shift, and he wants to be there, and he wants to earn those cheers. And yeah, I mean, this was another example of that. Um, a two point game for him again. Played fantastically. I, I think every every situation he was thrust into, um, especially you know with not the highest level alignments. I mean, Sean Monahan's good, but Jake Evans is on that line. But I think I thought I thought this was Jake Evans's best game this season. Like he earned he an assist. Yeah, he earned an assist, sure, but I mean, he was involved in every situation. Um, on the penalty kill, he was uh, he was key. I mean, he he made some key uh, interventions throughout the all the penalty kills that the Habs got. Um, won some key faceoffs and just was an integral part of that line instead of just being a guy that's there by default, which I think is essential for his game. And yeah, I'm really glad to see that from him. Yeah, it was a it was a really good game from from Jake Evans for that whole line. Really, they they were really strong. I thought that uh, the top line for the Canadians was a little bit off tonight, and then I see that by the end of it, they were actually the best line overall. <laughs> but I, I guess that's what just happens, right? And I mean, for Josh Anderson, I think let's get this over with as quickly as possible. Uh, the glove pass. Oh God, <laughs> goal goal or no goal? I'm on the side of I don't think he touched it. Hmm but I understand why they called it a goal, right? Cause you have to definitively prove that he didn't. And it's close enough that it looks like the pucks going end over end. And maybe he touched the bottom of it as he was trying to go with his backhand, but that's a tough one. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say like, this kind of shows the weirdness of this rule that like, if the puck in its haphazard spinning had, lightly clipped the stick then it's a good goal but if it doesn't lightly clip the stick um even though regardless of what had happened the trajectory of the puck wouldn't have changed like it's just it this rule like at its core has a fundamental like lack of sense and yeah i i I think it rds had a really good angle of it where it really seemed like it had lightly changed directions but again why are we even like analyzing frame by frames like yeah why are we frame by framing this it's it's like the the hand pass wasn't a direct result of the goal. I think if it's if it's like unless it's an explicit intentional um grab and throw or that kind of situation, yeah, call it off. But like if the player is tapping the puck down and then making an attempt on it, like the intent is not to play with your hand. The intent is to play with your stick. And I think that that would make a lot more sense than what we're doing right now, which is analyzing frame by frame and figuring out if the spin of the puck was lightly altered by the touch of the stick or not. Like it's just, it's too much. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's like I, offside I, reviews. It's getting into yeah. kind of just the minutia of, of, of the game. Right. And mm-hmm. like, uh, I'll give you my take on this. Uh, I don't know if, if they touch the puck or not. Yeah. Um, and I sat there and immediately my first thought as, as a Jets guy, as the Jets guy in this room, uh, my first thought was that's a bad challenge and not not for any reason of I don't believe that, uh, you know, that, you know, I didn't think that it, he touched it from there were like a couple angles. Where you could kind of maybe see that there was a maybe I don't know. Regardless, that's just one where I immediately like my first in, in, initial thought is there is no way they're going to be able to conclusively say this did not touch this stick. Even when you talk, you talk about I know on, on the broadcast they were mentioning like. Oh, you kind of see how the the spin kind of starts to change. 
that can even just happen with like the puck hitting even the slightest little bit of a rut in the ice. So yep. it, it's such a, I don't know, like it, one thing that I, I want to criticize for the Jets, I feel like I, I, I cannot remember the last time the Jets have won a challenge. And at the time of the game in which you call for this challenge, it's that's a, a pretty tough spot. Like that's like right in the middle of the game. Like literally, I think it was like what, 10 minutes left in the first period or in the start in the second period. Like that's a, a key crucial part to either. Uh, and you're, you're, you're relying on a decision made by the NHL that essentially will dictate, okay, can we potentially get the momentum back? Do we have a chance to even score on the next shift kind of thing, which can completely, you know, alter the game. Uh, not even just talking about score, but just momentum wise. Um, we, <laughs> when you do that and then, and then, and then you see, you already get, you already go down to nothing. And then you have to, you take a two minute penalty because you're like, maybe we can get this back. Oh, it's frustrating. It is frustrating. That's for yeah. sure. That's at least that's my take, at least on it. Yeah, I'll tell you what it is, um, at least from what I saw. Um, the Jets have a different tactic when they're down a goal um, uh, in the neutral zone, at least their 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 zero zero tactic or their tied game tactic overall is usually like a one one three or a one two two in, in, in defensive transitions where like like Andrew said, they're trying to trap. Well, without explicitly doing the one three one like old school New Jersey trap, it's still a modified form of the trap. And going down one nothing means that uh, is it Rick Bonus? Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, he has to modify that tactic because now he's down a goal and his team needs to score. They can't rely on keeping the shot score low and kind of riding it out and then kind of garbaging their way to a goal. They need to aggressively push for a goal, so they switch to like a two one two or or you know a one two two. Or something like that that's a bit more aggressive in transitions and we saw it after the first goal Habs constantly had one open player on the on the offensive blue line whether it's Sofkowski or Gallagher or Anderson there was one guy who was free um which wasn't the case before because they were defending more aggressively and and well defending more conservatively rather in, in transitions so I think that that difference going down a goal was something where bonus was trying to avoid as much as possible so that he did he didn't have to modify his tactics because to that point it was working really well against mm-hmm. the Habs Right. So, yeah. 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 I mean, I I feel like both goals were kind of just individual plays, like almost broken plays. Yeah. Right. And, you you know, we can credit Anderson for going to the right right place at the right time. I think that's 100 percent true. You know, he he drove on the first goal to create like he was forechecking really well to create the situation that ended up being the shot on net that rebounded to him or bounced off of him into the net <clears throat> second goal again aggressively fighting for the puck but those are not plays necessarily where the canadians drew up a play and blitzed through the neutral zone and scored off the rush right like what, there wasn't that much in terms of chances off the rush for either team tonight there was like a couple of breakthroughs where there was uh you know a, a shot from far out that ended up creating some more forecheck later uh, pressure later but it seemed like the forecheck was the be all end all for both teams tonight and Sometimes that's a little bit boring and slow. Um, I actually enjoyed most of the game tonight. I, I thought that it was probably a good thing that the refs didn't call a bunch of penalties because it would have been even more slow. Yeah. And it's already 10.30 p.m. on the East Coast here. But uh, overall, uh, a pretty fun game. And I guess Justin Barron gets bragging rights going home for the holidays uh, with his family. Uh, poor Morgan. You know what? I thought Morgan played a great game tonight, though. The... I'm I'm glad you mentioned the like the Jets fourth line was 
absolutely electric tonight. Like of, of all they the lines, nails. like they were, they were the line that constantly, whenever they were on the ice, you, you knew it, you, you re- realized that they were the ones who were, uh, out there. I mean, I'm looking on money puck right now. They had zero expected goals against, uh, you know, take what you will from that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, they had a phenomenal game. Morgan Barron was driving the net. He created so many chances, just even, even individually, he was creating chances and, and, um, you know, usually the Jets kind of rely on that fourth line to just kind of be a, you know, a nothing line in the sense of, you know, nothing against and, you know, maybe you create some zone time. But if you do that, you're, you know, you're laughing. Uh, whereas tonight, like I thought, thought they were one of the more potent um, Jets lines tonight. And and it's 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 definitely weird. Not what I expected coming to this game, considering the uh electricity of the new top line that the jets have the Ehlers shifley velarde line um i know before the the game you or before we hopped on here hattie you were mentioning that you were really impressed with uh velarde's game um obviously he, do, he does get the goal here tonight but uh what'd you think <laughs> oh you're muted i think <laughs> i think we're good now yeah my bad uh but yeah i was really impressed with the way that gabe velarde um managed pucks in transition but especially the way that he moves off the puck in the offensive zone like he has an nhl shot but he doesn't have like an elite high-end nhl shot like he he can shoot the puck at an nhl level but he's not like he doesn't have that high-end goal scoring ability but what makes him score so many goals is the fact that he's able to um to find pockets of space really well in the offensive zone and we saw it on this goal like the the motion, the kind of circle up and then then kind of funnel down the offensive zone type motion, is a constant in this game. He does it all the time, and yeah, it was really impressive to watch him in this game. Um, I also watched uh, his game against the Avs and was pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there there are some modifications that have occurred in this game over the years. That I mean, it's making that trade look pretty good. Right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> He's outscoring. Dubois, he, he's he? in in a in like a third of the games he has more goals than him already. Yeah, he's a like, really good player. And usually, when you trade a guy who's considered, you know, the best player in the trade, and you get like a bunch of guys back, it's really not great. But the Jets did really well. Like I know everybody kind of called it that day. They were like, "Whoa!" Like Ayafalo's really good. Velarde's really good. Like this is good quality return for the Jets. But it looks even better now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, first of all, obviously, Velarde turning out to be like the best player in the deal. Obviously, you know, 100% that that alone can be, you know, winning the deal for you. And as you mentioned, you know, getting back, I follow. I think they got a pick with it, too, uh, along with uh, Rasmus Kupari. Like what this trade has done and, you know, unfortunately, Kupari got hurt earlier in the season. But uh, what this has done is it's given the Jets a lot more depth and also consistency because that's that's the one thing with Pierre-Luc Dubois is he is a player that if he wants to play, he'll play. And if he's not, it doesn't feel like playing. He's not going to play. Um, and I think that the Jets kind of, you know, a- as we saw them kind of fall down the rabbit hole in the late in the, in the season last year, um, a good chunk of that had to do with the lack of consistency. And I think adding some depth pieces along with a player where you kind of know exactly what he's going to bring every night in Gabe Velarde. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the way he creates offense because I mean, even that goal, but even before the, the, the play that's that uh, you know, before he makes the nice move from behind the net to, you know, pull the puck out in front. Um, he had a nice uh, play in the middle of the ice where he was like kind of fighting off two guys and kept the puck with him. The one thing I've noticed from him this year is, is, 
this guy is able to hold on to the puck, which is something that the Jets absolutely need in the offensive zone. Their puck management has been kind of iffy here and there. Uh, and I think that was also one of the things that led to, to you know, that line not being as great today is, uh, you know, Nick Ehlers kind of was throwing the puck wherever he could and Shifley wasn't reading it as well as maybe he could have. And it just felt a little broken up. And, and I think that the Habs... Um, I don't think that that's just, you know, the, the players being out of sync. I think that the Habs definitely played, uh, um, like played to the opponent and played well. They knew, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe you guys can, can fight back on this, but do you think the Habs come into a game like this tonight and go, okay, we got to make sure that we, we, we play tight. This, this team is hot offensively. We got to make sure that we are closing down the lanes, uh, and, and, you know, not allowing them to create simple, easy chances. How? I mean, <laughs> true. How, how do they do that? But, yeah. but they do, like, obviously they do game plan for it a little bit, right? They're not very effective usually. Uh, most of tonight, I thought they were pretty effective defensively. But I will say we talked last time on the show about, you know, switching up the defense pairings because uh, maybe easing off Savard a little bit, even though he's been playing great since he came back. And people were trying to look at a way to spark Caden Gooley. They put Savard and Gooley together tonight and it was absolutely disastrous so cut that experiment it was yeah. bad last year we don't need to see it again uh savard was playing better without ghoulie and ghoulie was playing better without, without savard so let's go back on that i will say the stream chat is very unanimous in that they're very happy that the habs did not get involved in the dubois trade last uh -huh. year hey me too so am i so am i <laughs> we can all agree on that guys don't you yeah. worry yeah. but like obviously they'll have like a a goal and what they want to do to shut down the, the jets. But uh, so far for the last several seasons, the Canadians goals defensively have uh, not been completed. We'll say. Yeah. yeah. And, and what I meant more to get on that is that um, obviously <laughs> it's, it, it's obviously you aim to shut down any team you play against, but I feel like when you come into uh, a, you know, a game where you've, you would probably say like, I don't know about you guys, but I would say Montreal naturally is, I think the weaker team of the two of these, if you look at just them on paper, sorry, yes. I'm trying to sugarcoat it, even though I know you guys will agree with me. All the people know, but, yeah. but in, in, in a, in a matchup like this, I mean, I think, I think that that's kind of just the, the natural thing to do is for one team to feel like they need to just do whatever they can to hold on. And then, and, and they held on through, you know, the, the, the start of the game, they, they stifled the Jets offense. And, and that's where I feel like the Habs really started to create was after the Jets started getting really frustrated and, and couldn't create um, the, the, the Jets couldn't get out of their zone as well, as well as they used as they, as they would have liked to. Um, and it led to a lot of uh, offense for the Habs. I personally, I, I, I know that he's the guy that everyone likes to rag on and I, I've got a lot of Toronto buddies. Uh, so I hear a lot about him, but I thought Slavkovsky had a, a, a great game i like i thought that he he was he was frustrating me every time he was on the ice maybe you guys yep. agree or disagree but oh it yeah felt, he, he he felt like he was doing like all of of the extra work he was super physical he, i think he laid morrissey out like twice within a, a five minute span um yeah he was frustrating uh at least for me yeah, yeah I, uh, I know hattie hattie's got this one on deck so i'm gonna i was gonna a, ask a quick comment and then <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna Pass over to Hattie to go on a rant. Yeah. But uh, I, I thought Slav tonight, like he had some big moments and some like underwhelming moments as well. It was one of those games where his like brain was like a tiny bit slow when he had the puck, just a, a fraction of a second. 
but I feel like the whole top line was kind of like that, even if they ended up being the best line again. I think that was just like more on, on pure talent. But whenever Slavkovsky remembers that he's a big dude, he is punishing. And I'm excited for what he can turn into. Hattie? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, do I have your permission to go on a like six, yes. seven minute round? Okay. Go so, for it. Give us <laughs> Maybe not six, seven minutes, but <laughs> you know, uh, okay. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I put out a whole video on his progress since last year. Um, at the start of the year, after a couple games, I immediately was like, oh, wow. Okay. There's a major difference in these specific areas. It's the scanning. First and foremost, he's looking on over his shoulders constantly. He's just taking in his surroundings constantly. And not every player can just look over their shoulder and get better. Like you need to be able to take in information at an NHL speed and he can, he just wasn't scanning. So once he made that difference in this game, he was a lot more aware of what was going on around him. The execution still needs some work, but overall just starting by scanning more helps a ton in terms of your overall projection. On top of that, he's constantly reloading above plays and intervening. He's not chasing plays. He's keeping the plane in front of him and reacting which is what you need to do as a winger, especially if you play with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, who are going to be exchanging pucks in the high slot and making those shots. You need to be able to stay above play so you can rush into the corner to a puck battle and win it. And he's been doing that constantly and consistently. On that line, his his role is so clear, and that's what really makes him so effective right now. He has he knows exactly what his job is. When he was playing with Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson, you could see the confusion behind like between the ears, just being like, okay, well, what's my role here? What am I supposed to do? Josh Anderson's in the corner, Christian Dvorak's reloading. What do I do? You know? But on this line, it is so clear uh what his role is. And I think that's awesome for him. And I think the other major difference in his game is um just the, the processing speed as well. Like he's not only scanning, but he's staying ahead of plays mentally and you kind of anticipating plays and making sure that he understands what's going on ahead of him. Um and yeah, just the one major thing that I didn't even notice when I made my video was a big change in his game was the fact that he's gotten so much better at, at identifying when and how to help um his teammates and he does that to perfection with his line when when it's time to back off and give a pass option he does that when it's time to rush into the corner and help nick suzuki dig a puck out he does that you see it with younger kind of more immature players when they're when they're new to the league they're still figuring out that toggle of when to offer a pass option when to offer a shooting option and when to just go in the corner and dig the puck out and Slavkovsky's managed that so well, um, especially since being moved to that line, because his role is so clear, he can start asking himself these questions on the ice as they happen. So yeah, that's my little rant about Slavkovsky, but I have a whole eight minute video about him over on my YouTube channel. Just a shameless plug here real quick. So yeah, no, no shame in the plug. That's what people <laughs> who are who are guests on the show get to do. It's it's why we invite everyone on, right? It is to show everyone the, the good content that they can create or the good analysis that they bring to the table. So go to Hattie's <clears throat> sorry, uh YouTube channel and check that out right after the show. It's a great video. I watched it right before the game started. So uh it, it's it's always good to get those breakdowns. I find like the stuff that Elite Prospects does just it gives you so much more information to see things through a scout's eyes than looking at the stats or watching the game on your own <clears throat> and when you know what to look for too it <clears throat> changes your enjoyment of the game I, i'm really impressed with the like the arc of slapkovsky's development over the last two months here <clears throat> i'm just excited to see what he can become if he ever figures out his shot because if he can ever get an nhl shot which he currently doesn't have he just panics a little bit 
he is going to be an absolute menace. I saw one comment on the stream chat saying he's the scariest teenager in the league, which is very <laughs> true. <laughs> yep. When he hit Josh Morrissey the first time tonight, it didn't even look like he hit him hard, and he just went flying like 10 feet into the boards. Yep. He's a yeah. big man. He, it's terrifying. He was, he was a, a factor on the ice tonight, that's for sure. And I mean, hey, like what is he? He's only uh, second year from his draft. Like that, that's uh, some really good progress. And uh, listen, I I was skeptical of the pick. I'm sure many people were. I'm sure I don't got to tell your chat or not the chat, not your chat, but the uh, the the Habs fans that are in here. But uh, it's nice to see a player starting to figure out. I was I was definitely worried that the the Habs rushed him and maybe should have given a little more time to develop, but. I mean, hey, it's it's looking good. If he can play like he did tonight and then just keep working on everything else, uh, Habs are going to yeah. have a player. <laughs> it's a lethal combo. The the Yeah, he's become like a proper <clears throat> passer. He always was a passer, but last year he was kind of forced to become a shooter because he wasn't scanning, and that's one of the most important things to become like an effective playmaker in the NHL is to be aware of where your teammates are and what direction they're heading, what speed they're heading he wasn't taking in that information. So he basically became like more of a finisher. And it's the same thing that happened at the world juniors at the, the Olympics, like playing against tougher competition and having less time to react makes him have that kind of reaction and, and adaptation to his game. But the moment um, he started scanning, you just, you, you begun, you, you start to see like how good he is at connecting plays at like advancing play incrementally and like connecting with teammates right when he gets the puck like when he knows what's next he's on fire and like you add to that the fact that he's like 6'4 225 pounds can throw his weight and can win puck battles like it's a it's a it's a frightening combo like yeah <laughs> yeah i actually i thought his penalty his first penalty did he take another penalty that his was penalty not a penalty where he like tapped in the face <laughs> i thought yeah. that was a really weak yeah that, call. that's but now i'm looking at how strong he is and there's a comment here saying that even a simple tap on the nose from him can send players flying maybe he just is that strong yep. and he really got him i don't know <laughs> but it looked weak but whatever it it happens that it, the 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 refing was all over the place tonight it but. was very bad <laughs> i i cannot believe they didn't call Savard when Ehlers was in all alone. And he just reached in and like pulled him back. I was like, what are you going to call if you don't call that? That's wild. I, the the thing is, I don't want to comment too, too much on refing because I feel like it's, we could do it every every night. Every night that we do a show, we can we can say, "Oh, they missed this. They missed this." Oh, I do it every night just it, to hammer home how terrible they are. It <laughs> was even just for the Canadians. Just every game, it's terrible. It was it was a little frustrating. Uh, the way that the way this game ended, uh, on, you know, on a power play goal in overtime. I'll say this: it was a trip, but Ehlers also did get interfered with pretty heavily yep. trying to get to you know the point, man. Uh, <laughs> the the um. What was it? He he did also hit the puck when when he tripped him, which some refs will look at that as as yeah, fine, as if it's soccer rules. Um, and also, you know, Vlad Nemeskov got tripped maybe a minute earlier in in the game in the offensive zone and no call. But that's all I will say uh, because uh, I'm the losing team tonight, so I I'm not really allowed to to criticize the refs, unfortunately. No, but no, it you, is what it are. is. <laughs> on, on this show, you're allowed, Brady. I mean, let's let's criticize the refs on a play that like didn't really impact anything in overtime, where Lowry just unleashes the cross checks on Matheson, and they're like, "Well, 
we don't really want to call a five on three here. So we're just going to tell everybody that Mike Matheson closes hand on the pocket. I'm like, when, man? He's just getting hammered. Yeah, he genuinely hand. did not. And, he, and, and, he even if he, and even if he did, you... Why does it take both teams breaking the rules for you to be like someone broke the rules? Like I, I just I don't get that because like absolutely I'm sitting here going Lowry watch it watch it bud watch it bud watch it bud. Luckily they they even it up well luckily for me but I mean as someone who wants them to call the rules properly, not luckily but uh it's 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 neither here nor there. Uh, as you know, as as an ex ref, I, I I like to to be very critical of the refs because I want them to be something I can go. They did the right thing, um, but tonight was 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 not one of those nights, as it never yeah. is. I, mean, I guess <laughs> we we say it didn't impact much, but I guess it, taking Matheson off and putting Baron on and very what, directly impacted the and game, taking right? Lowry off too. I mean, he probably That's was was too. near the end of his shift, I'm sure, but um, regardless. You can point you can point to anything, you know, butterfly effect, all that stuff. But I'm curious about one thing, though. Um, I don't think jo- I don't think uh, Morgan Barron took a single face off the entire game. So why exactly was he out for a face off with the game on the line at four on three? Yeah, and... I'm I, I think I think they probably put him out there because he, he's one. He is one of their starting penalty killers, like one of the mm-hmm. guys they, they put out with. It's usually him and Lowry. Um, and he does have center experience. He previously was center, has played games at center. I think he was a center and junior. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like you, so he doesn't really take draws because, uh, David Gustafson is like a prototypical, just like defensive two way kind of, uh, uh, forward. So he doesn't really get yeah. to it at five V five, but yeah, I, I definitely agree that that's kind of tough, but at the same time, it's like the jets don't really have any other than Lowry, like bona fide centers that are you know the the types of guys that you would put out there on a four on three right yeah uh and and baron was having a a pretty good game so i I get the decision but at the same time you know uh as much as i like to argue the face-offs don't matter that's 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 a tough one one. that matters that's That's about as 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 that's about as essential a face-off as you can have but yeah um happy for justin that he got the score in his brother's face but other than that i just i don't get it for for winnipeg That, that was weird but yeah yeah. It, it was it was a weird one. Teams do weird stuff like that, eh? Like put on the wrong guy in the wrong situation because they think they're going to get like a two percent extra chance to win a face off, and sometimes it pays yeah. off, sometimes it doesn't. To to make that that bet when you're a four on three power play probably isn't the time to throw at a guy for his first face off of the night. Yeah, you so know, a bit of a self own there for the coaching staff of the Jets, but. Yeah, I, I really liked Barron's game tonight overall. Both Barons uh, yeah. were, were really good. Uh, really good game for their parents if they were at that game. I don't know if they were or not. Yeah, um, the only thing that really bothers me with Justin Barron still is that he still struggles really, really hard with his back to the play. Um, anytime he's retrieving yep. a puck behind his net, I'm I like my heart rate shoots up. Like the moment I see him turn around. And it's like, it's one of the most important things for a defenseman to be able to do comfortably like we watch Jaden Struble and like stop me if I start ranting on Jaden Struble because I won't stop <laughs> uh but yeah like his ability to retrieve pucks and play them out cleanly is the best on the Habs and I'm including Mike Matheson in that so the entire game well t- for the past like couple of weeks since Jaden Struble like joined the NHL and, and and started playing his first NHL games I've just been on the train of just like put them together put Justin Barron and Jaden Struble together 
Astro will be your retriever, the guy that's going to go grab the puck behind the net and play it out cleanly and have Justin Barron be your activator. That's what he does well. He loves to rush up the offensive zone, like grab a puck in transition, skate it in, play a give and go, or just like join the rush late as a, as a, as a fourth man, right? Like those are the things he's good at. And just let Jaden Stribble just chill at the red line. And that's that's his job, right? Like that that would be something I'd be comfortable with because these are two players that are really complementary. And I think the only thing that's really stopping them from playing together is the fact that they're both young. But when you're when you have a complementary skill set between two players that is so such a perfect match, like the things Struble is good at, Baron sucks at. The things right. Struble sucks at, Baron's good at. So just like put them together. I don't know. It makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. It does make a lot of sense. I mean, I we got to talk a little bit about Struble just because I think this was probably his first off game in terms of the numbers. But yeah, I don't think it was him personally having an off game. I think he played a lot with the fourth line and with Struble and with Ulanen. I feel like they just both deserve better than what the Habs oh, are yeah. giving them right now. And oh, yeah. I understand, like uh, we mentioned, Jake's Jake Evans had a really strong game tonight. Um because he was facing the coward Mark Shifley. No, uh, <laughs> but I, I would rather have Ulanen up on that line and have Evans back at center to have a functional fourth line instead of whatever they're doing right now. Like, I know he's getting his cup of coffee and he's a good AHLer, but Mitchell Stevens, I'm not seeing it, right? Yeah. And when you have Pizzetta, who can be a contributor with other skilled like more skilled players where he can kind of lean into his skill a little bit too, and just be like the banger and crasher who can actually throw a one-timer out there once in a while too. But with the line as it's currently constituted, he's kind of in no man's land as well. Uh, Struble is kind of in the same situation where he's just, he should be getting a little bit more ice time with the amount of defensemen who are struggling ahead of him. Uh, Brady, do you have any guys in the jets who deserve more? Oh boy. Um, it's 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 really tough to say because the Jets kind of are with how they have their depth. It's almost like guys are kind of placed where they need to, where they're supposed to be. Um, so there isn't really like many opportunities to be like, oh, Morgan Barron should get some, you know, some chances up on the top line when you've got, you know, uh, or top line top six, whatever, sorry, top, uh, top nine, whatever you want to say, because all the lines are kind of made and kind of cemented as is the only line that the jets really have that isn't cemented is the kind of like I have followed Nemeskov Perfetti line, which is kind of just the, you know, what ended up needing to happen in order to, uh, jolt the, the top line before Velarde came back when, when Shifley, uh, Connor and Ayafalo were together. That line started to not really look good. It, it was kind of clear that Ayafalo didn't really fit there. Whereas that Nemestikov Perfetti line, Nemestikov has already been brought up from, he started the year off as the fourth line center, uh, or a winger, I believe. Um, and he's just provided so much, uh, uh, help to that second line. He, he kind of seems to be the guy who, who kind of, um, he's the glue that holds together Perfetti and what was Nikolai Ehlers. Cause that line, uh, when, whenever they were with anyone else, they just never seemed to really work and they never really got a chance to go with like Shifley, for example. Yeah. Um, so really at this point, it's just kind of like, okay, well now let's figure out how to fix things because, uh, for a while, you know, the one line that everyone would say you can't break up is the Appleton Lowry Niederreiter line, uh, because Niederreiter went down there and is providing offense on that line, but that line hasn't scored or even been a positive, 
uh, expected goals line for a while, a, a good chunk of games now. And it's been kind of quiet. Like no one, no one, not a ton of people are talking about it. I think people are, are cluing into it now. Um, so I personally would love to see Niederreiter get a little bit of a bump. I think that I follow could still be used on uh, a shutdown line. And, you know, if that's all Lowry's line can be is a shutdown line, that's fine. Cause that's a third line and that's what it should be. Whereas when they were providing a bit more offense, they were kind of, given a bit of a like there's i mean they still are given second line minutes i want to say i mean i can go check really quickly to be sure but um regardless uh for me personally i just i just want to see a better fit for cole perfetti because he is a guy who kind of needs a little bit of speed on his line with how they have nemestikov and i that line is is good and they have been pretty decent um but it doesn't really feel like uh they're that dangerous although tonight perfetti did end up getting that one goal so i won't complain and they were you know a very they were very good line by the expected goals uh tonight but uh i still have a lot of questions as to you know what that line truly is and can do because i feel like you should be able to use perfetti on a second line and not really treat him like a third line player you know uh because he's been a revelation for the jets this year yeah he's been really good one guy that actually stood up to me i know he didn't have great numbers and he's not like a, a young prospect per se but i like dylan sandberg tonight like he just kept up. I know he didn't have an amazing game, but there are a lot of good Jets defensive plays, especially breaking up four checks where it was Dylan Sandberg. Yeah, he is. He is really, really steady for the Jets. Um, last year, he kind of made it very clear that that sixth defense spot is his. Um, and, you know, we've just seen him kind of grow year by year in here. Um he is a guy who I feel super duper confident having on the ice. He's good defensively. He's pretty decent in the offensive zone to get, you know, just those, you know, he's, he's not an offensive defenseman or anything like that, but in, you know, comparison to him and like Brendan Dillon, for example, uh, you know, Sandberg can throw a little juke at the line before taking a shot. Whereas, you know, Brendan Dillon's going to go in and just try to hammer it. Right. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, but honestly, like uh, Dylan Sandberg has been, has been phenomenal. Like I, I really like this player. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, uh, the start of the season I've been, I was a little critical of him because he seemed to be giving up a lot of pizzas, but uh, he's kind of figured it out over the past little bit. And I think him and Nate Schmidt, even uh, as of recently, are still right at the top of the least amount of expected goals allowed against. Uh, if you look on Money Puck, of course, don't look at the uh, the competition they play against, of course. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but hey, that's that's something that the Jets have not had in a long time. Is is actually I think it's two of their. It's also Dylan and Pionk are also up there in in. Uh, you know, neutralizing uh, offense against them. So that's something that we have not been able to say for a long time in Jets land. The Jets are actually good defensively. Yeah, I mean, hey, a depth defenseman having good numbers is something every team should want, right? It's yeah. better than having the guys that just get caved in. And I'm sure Sandberg taking a step makes losing Kovacevic last year a little bit easier to, to take as well, right? You, you have a little bit depth coming in. Uh, Hattie, I want to get your thoughts on Ulanin because he's oh, yeah. a guy that like, He's played with a revolving door of fourth liners this year. His underlying numbers are actually like really terrible, but I feel like it's not on him because when I isolate on him, it seems like he's constantly making good decisions with the puck. And every time he's out there, like on the second wave power play with some good players, he's a contributor. He moves the puck to the right places. He's getting shots. 
what do you think the Canadians can do with him to maybe like put him in a better situation? Well, maybe for starters, not playing him with guy and guy, I think would be like a really, really good beginning to like too big of him. an ask for this team. Has. Yeah, we're talking about Michael Pozzetta and Mitchell Stevens. As much as I love those two as like people, um, not the best, not the best players to shoulder Ulinen's fantastic transition ability and playmaking ability. This is a player who could be having a really good impact on the third line with like a Gallagher and a Monaghan or Gallagher and a Dvorak. I think that would be a great seed for him because he brings an element. We saw it on, on that one power play um, just before Josh Anderson scored. Ullinen was a key part of that goal and he yep. played, I, I tweeted this out, but he played, he played with the hunger of a young Kendrick Lamar. Like he was, <laughs> he was, he was desperate for that goal. Like he, he wanted like some, he wanted to prove the organization that he can do it and i don't think that's going away like he was he was hungry on that play like he was he was connecting plays and was kind of the dictator on that on that kind of power play from the half wall like he, he's a reason the puck went where it did often and yeah if he can earn a permanent spot on that second power play eventually martes is going to be like well listen he got us two assists on the power play might as well just throw him out on the third line or the second line or maybe even the first line from time to time you know like it it would be fun to see Ulanen in a variety of roles, which we haven't seen yet. Um, and it's mainly because defensively, he is relatively limited. He's not the most impactful in his own zone. Like he's able to break up plays, but he's not going to throw the body. Um, he's not an, as aggressive a four checker as he could be. But what he does really well is skate out and carry the puck and make a pass. And yeah. as long as he's able to do that with teammates who can support him in the other areas in which he's weaker, we're good, but I don't know what Michael, like there was a specific shot Michael Pozzetta took where he just drifted wide off the rush and just took like a high, high, high glove wrister on Colin Hellebuck from the point. And I'm just like, that's, that's like, (laughs) that's, that's like a 0.001 expected goals shot. Mm. If I've ever seen one, like Pozzetta score is like shooting from there. High glove on Connor Hellebuck, whose glove side is probably his, his best asset. Like, makes sense on no levels uh but yeah it's just as long as he's playing with these guys i don't really see what the what the path forward is for him because he has no opportunity to shine except when he gets a chance with like anderson and dvorak on the second power play right so yeah it took you know uh st louis something like 50 games to put slavkovsky in a beneficial situation so i guess ulinen just has to wait a little longer yep 50 games I am encouraged by what you by what you said about him. Like I, I view that same thing that he still has hunger. He's not giving up, mm-hmm. and and feeling like he's, uh, you know, he's not sulking that he's on the fourth line, right? He he's continually pushing, so that is a good thing. Uh, Brady, do you want to go to the the presser here? I should remind everyone, by the way, watching the stream. There's lots of people watching. Make sure you smash that like button and subscribe to SDPN. We're getting closer and closer to 100,000 subscribers here on the channel. And when that happens, we become YouTube partners and are able to flex ourselves a little bit more on YouTube and, and grow the channel more. So please help us out. If you're not subscribed, It why wouldn't you subscribe? Don't you love Steve Dangle? Don't you love to see Adam <laughs> Wilde be wrong? Don't you love Jesse Blake's unbelievably handsome smile? Have you ever seen Jesse Blake in person? It should be oh. illegal. To be as good looking and tall and as tall. Jesse Blake is. And like, tall. what the hell? <laughs> what the actual hell? Um, Plus, you got Game Over, all these amazing shows on the channel. So, give us your subscription, smash the like button, and uh, I guess stream chat, 
fill us up with some questions here that we can answer. I have a question myself. Uh, oh, let's I, do it. It, it, it may be a quick one. Maybe it's not. I just want to know how, uh, you know, I don't know how many years, how far into his tenure we are, but how do you guys feel about uh, Martin St. Louis as a coach just in general? Like, give me the the brief pitch on him as a coach and how you and the fan base feels about him, because I, I don't really know, uh, you know, the vibes around him. He opens his mouth and I want to run through fire for him and right? like, 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 like drive straight through a wall for him. Like I, I, he, he speaks and you want to like, you want to die for this man, but his decisions at times with his, with his roster are strange. Like not combining players, like you know, for example, putting Slavkovsky on the first line when he was performing fairly well, despite being anchored down by the 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 ghost of Josh Anderson, um, or you know, being stuck on a line with Sean Monahan and Brendan Gallagher. It's like, you know, those kinds of decisions, or what what he's doing with Yesse Ullinen right now. Like, I don't know what more Ullinen could do to earn like a move up the lineup. He's just there's a bit of a restraint or hesitation, and I think it has to do with the rapport he's trying to build with the veterans, the relationship he's trying to build with them of not, you know, not giving up on Josh Anderson, I think was key. Um, and it was a big part of him being able to come back and have these performances as of late. Same goes for Brendan Gallagher or Sean Monahan or Christian Dvorak when they go on these kind of slumps, which are normal for veterans, especially when you're going to overtime every second game, like your body's going to get tired. Um, I think that's an important part of, it, of the equation for him is building that rapport with the veterans so he can have he, he so that he doesn't have to be the sole source of leadership in the locker room and he can rely on these guys to shoulder the young guys for whenever they're ready whenever he feels like they're ready to move up that they move up comfortably and that there isn't kind of bad blood between him and the veterans that kind of hinders his ability to build a growing team i think that's my theory but like i'm not in the locker room at all so i i don't know yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit on, uh, I guess, a couple shows ago. Uh, I think Marty St. Louis, as a motivator, is going to be a head coach for a very long time. Uh, but there is something like, I don't think he's a tactically great coach at this point in time. You know, when he came in, he talked about how he has like a binder of hockey ideas that he wants to implement very slowly over time, like master something, move on to the next thing or like master something. And that leads on to these five different things, master those each of those leads on to five different things, kind of like, you know, a pyramid scheme, but uh, hopefully his coaching's <laughs> tactics are a little bit better than a pyramid scheme. But overall, I think we're seeing improvements, but when the Canadians come to a point where they want to contend, I think they're going to have to have some assistant coaches in their wheelhouse that can break things down much more effectively than Stefan Robida, Trevor Latowski, and Alex Burroughs have proven to them, proven to be able to do so far. Because I think Marty is, at the end of the day, in game situations, more of a motivator than a tactician. He's not Jacques Martin. He's not Claude Julien. He's a guy who speaks and, like Hattie said, you want to run through a wall. You're going into that burning building to save a cat, you know, <laughs> like it, not even a kid. Just a cat, you know, like it. So in that respect, I think he has some longevity. I feel like there's something to him the same as like Rod Brindamore has in Carolina. But if they can't figure out the tactics when this team gets a little bit closer to competition or like playoff competition, then, you know, the leash will get shorter. But as of right now, because he's in kind of the perfect situation to develop himself as a coach with a developing team and build these relationships, as Hattie alluded to, uh, he's in a 
pretty sweet spot. He's now, I think, the 10th longest tenured coach in the league. Already? Having yeah, having coached for like a year and a half. Yeah. But... That it's about it's about the least safe job in all of NHL. Uh, yeah, coaches like, need a union. Yeah. They, <laughs> they gotta yeah, they gotta ask seriously. the GMs what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Well, it's it's no firing kidding. it's firing the coaches. That's what they're doing. <laughs> They're they're one bullet. Ken Holland again. <laughs> trade a trade for a goalie. Nope, we're gonna be patient. We're gonna give Jack Campbell one more chance with his eight seventy save percentage in the American. Yeah, well, I mean, league. Stuart Skinner's starting to get good, but it's, it's yeah, a whole he, thing over there. Hey, Calvin Pickard. Need, Calvin they need Pickard. support for Skinner, right? <laughs> yeah. Like a Jake Allen, I think would be perfect in that situation. Not that I'm trying to push Jake Allen on the Oilers, which I am, but also <laughs> it, it just is a natural fit, and it's the first goalie that I can think yeah. of. Uh, let's go to some questions from the stream chat here. Uh, Salted One says, should we worry about the Habs possibly re-signing Monaghan instead of getting a haul? Yeah, the fourth period mentioned that the Canadians were considering that. I believe that they would consider it. I can't see it happening. Yeah. It makes no sense whatsoever. I Well, from what I've heard, they are definitely considering it. But we're talking about a player with a long-standing list of injuries and a player who you obtained a first-round pick in order to acquire um who you can then flip for picks or flip for future assets and there are a lot of teams that are looking for this type of player i just don't know many teams that have the um the salary bandwidth in order to take his current salary at least even for for you know just the month of march and april and may like it's it's a hefty contract i think it's above six mil and monahan's yeah isn't it no it's uh he signed an extension this summer that's right 1.985. 1.985. So oh, that's, that's, that's takeable. Yeah, absolutely yeah, in that case. I, think I thought he was no still on his old contract. That's my bad. Yeah, I think there's just <laughs> no chance that uh, he will not be traded because at that le- that low of a contract bar with the amount of goals that he can score, the amount of situations that he can play in, the yep. fact that Canadians could still retain half of that anyway, there's no, it just doesn't strike me as there's any way that they would keep him. And you yeah. can, and you can still, huge. and you can still re-sign him in the off season if you really yeah, want exactly. him to come. And that's, and 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 that's also probably why you get to sign him. I mean, like, I I'm not sure what he he really deserved in negotiations, but you know, under two mil is 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 a pretty low contract, uh, you know, AAV. So that might be part of it. Go, hey, if you sign for less money, like we can it'll be easier to send you off to a potential cup winning team. Right. Yeah. Uh, K in the chat says safest job in the NHL is a Canadian GM, specifically the jets GM. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You, you can, can accomplish almost nothing for forever. Hey, you know what? C- calm it down. Calm it down. I, yeah, I, I think, I think that Kate, the, how Chevy, many years Chevy, was he GM before he made a player for player trade? Um, three, I want to say I feel like it was like seven. No, 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 no. Cause it, it, it was, was the Evander. It was the Evander Kane trade, right? That was the first okay. one. And that yeah. was, and that was before they, they went to the playoffs in 2014, 15. So probably two to three. While. It was a while. Yeah, I'd also say that the Dubois trade uh, easily gained them like 10 years of job safety. Like that was the next yes. trade. It Dubois trade, uh, Andrew cop trade, which I think is such an, un- like such a, uh, an underrated trade. Uh, they got back a first, a second. The first ended up being Brad Lambert, who mm-hmm. big boomer bust and oh, lo- yeah. looking he's, looking he's a lot good. closer to boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's I'm good. sure. Yeah, I'm sure you could. <laughs> my buddy, but, my, my co-host uh, at the podcast, uh, Lockdown NHL Prospects, Sebastian High, uh, had him third overall, I think, in his draft year. 
which like the fact they slipped to 20 and i remember i was i was i was at the draft that day and uh, i was sitting right behind the avalanche table and the moment the jets picked him the entire avalanche table like joe sackett all that just head down scratching names off their <laughs> off their board yeah they, that's they a wanted good feeling yeah when you're watching yeah. another team freak out right yeah exactly oh there's another question here that i lost unfortunately it was oh uh Trizek asks for brady will logan stanley ever be set free at some here's the thing yeah uh yes in the sense of at some point uh, Villanueva is going to come back from injury, and they are going to have to make a decision on their back end. And I will lose my mind if it's sent Hinola to the minors, um, <laughs> or if it stays like that. I'm sure he'll get sent down there for a conditioning stint. But at some point, they will have to either put uh, uh, Logan Stanley on waivers, or Declan Chisholm on waivers, or uh, uh, botch even further Villanueva's development by putting him in the AHL. So, uh, so a, a decision, a decision's coming at some point. There is uh, a a a deadline, so to speak, uh, on a decision that has to be made. And it seems like already Declan Chisholm is kind of taking his spot as the seventh D. They know that they have a lot more potential in Villanueva. Logan Stanley is twenty five years old. Um, it is a little worrying that the Flyers were not in attendance, uh, scouts wise, for this. Um, for this game as they've been at a lot of them. And it seems like that's a perfect fit for Logan Stanley. Like realistically, Logan Stanley needs to go to a team where he can play as uh, 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 like he needs to go to a, a Flyers team, uh, a Chicago team, uh, uh, any type of team that doesn't have any expectations on it so that he can go get, get steady minutes and maybe he'll end up being a, a, a decent sixth defenseman. But uh, hopefully not freed on my Jets team anytime soon, because there that would either be uh, only through the result of a lot of injuries, which I obviously do not want, uh, or some some pretty shoddy decision making, which I also do not want. I feel like Logan Stanley's career highlight is going to be scoring two goals in one game on Carey Price in the playoffs. And don't you forget it. Yep. Well, don't forget what happened right after Don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, sorry, Jeep Guy6969 says he used to used to watch the show until you had these guys on. I apologize for talking too much Habs, Jeep Guy6969. <laughs> Let's talk some Jets. Do we have any Jets questions? I feel like we have been doing too much fat, too much Habs here on a Jets show. Uh see, uh David C says the year that uh the you were talking about the draft story there. That was the year that the Avs won the cup, right? Uh, they were saying no way they would have been able to pick him at number 32. Yeah, I guess they, they might I mean, have got a little bit too hopeful there. I mean, he dropped a 30. Like, that's yeah. not, that's two yeah. more picks. Like, it's not, not that far. Like, and, yeah, it was, he was two slots. There were two slots behind the Jets. Like, it wasn't far fetched as an idea. And, but, and, yeah. and he had not the greatest draft year. So, like, it, it's, it's certainly possible, but, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad to say it didn't happen. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. Um, not seeing very many Jets questions in here, but we do have one for Hattie from Claire Capaletti says, question for Hattie, what's your take on Jordan Harris? I love him, but I have a weird feeling he won't be sticking around for a long time. I also really like jo- Jordan Harris on and off the ice. I think that's the, the going to be the tough part. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He would be the best uh, bottom pair defenseman in the league uh, if the Habs are able to build a good lineup in front of him, I would keep him around for the time being, just because Logan might use a couple years away for sure, um, if ever. And 
David Reinbacher struggling and will take a longer time to kind of get set up. Um, and yeah, I mean, at, at the forefront, yes, you've got Matheson and Gooley, but I'd actually see that as a really good first pair if you're able to pair them together. Because again, complementary skill sets. Then your second pair eventually will probably be uh, Struble and Baron, although that's probably your third pair right now. As of as of right now, when he comes back from injury, which should be very very soon, um, I would like him to to be paired with um, either Jonathan Kovacevic or David Savard, and yeah, that would be a fantastic kind of set, like a really steady second pair because Harris is just he's he's a, probably the most intelligent Habs defenseman in yeah. terms of processing the game, understanding what's happening, and intervening um, the right way, whether that's physically layering stick and body or just simply closing a gap early and preventing a transition to start with um his pinches all of his decisions are so solid he's not the most skillful player his puck skills aren't outstanding his physical abilities aren't outstanding but his skating is so the combination of sk- skating and intelligence if you can get that on a third pair with like a good roster in front of that i'd be very happy it's just i just did a video today on autumn angstrom um he's looking really really good lane hudson's coming um there's there's a there's, I mean, there's a slew of other players that are coming up pipeline. Like, where does he Still fit? Arbor Jacky too, who's playing in Laval right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, oh, have you have you watched him a bunch this season, Hattie? I think he's take he's come a long way. Like, he's yeah. more than just a tough guy now. Oh, for sure. I, I don't think he's ever like I, I had that idea when I first heard of him, but then I watched him with uh, with Brantford, and I was like, oh wait, he's actually like really good with the puck and makes good decisions. I just don't see him as a long term solution for the Habs, and. I, I kind of chuckle to myself when I hear people say that he's like an untouchable because um, like no bottom pair defenseman is an untouchable. Like no. there's there's no such thing. I, I, I understand what people mean by that. He brings an energy and a quality that isn't really present in the NHL anymore. But there's a reason it isn't. It's because that role's kind of died off. Like how many Arbor Jack guys were there on the Colorado Avalanche, right? Like it's just it's a dying breed and you get that. But yeah, um, Harris overall, like I think would be a fantastic bottom pair defenseman long term for the Habs at least for the next two, three years. Um, after that, you kind of figure things out and see where, where your assessment is, but depending on who retires and who stays uh, and who gets traded, obviously. But yeah, for the moment, I really, really like Harris and I hope they find a way to keep him. Yeah, the, the chat saying, prepare for your mentions to be attacked <laughs> by the Arbor lovers. I mean, yep. I, I just kind of want Arbor and Florian to both make the NHL and just be like the modern day Bash Brothers for that's, a little bit. Yeah, that's a long shot. <laughs> <Yeah>. um... <laughs> hey, Florian looks better than I thought, too. I thought that was a wasted pick last year, and all of a sudden he's okay. Yeah. He's, he's getting a few goals out there. Uh, I got a question for Brady. Why did it take Kyle Connor getting injured for this team to like Nikolai Ehlers? I love this player so much why do the jets hate him so much i feel like every year it's like why isn't he on the power play why is he on the third line and he's like the best transition player on the team when i was working uh at sport logic he was literally the best player in the entire nhl including Connor mcdavid at turning a controlled entry into a scoring chance nobody was better than nikolai ehlers at it <laughs> why does this team stand in nikolai ehlers way i feel like he's like he could be a superstar winger andrew i i have asked this question to myself (laughs) to twitter to the the winnipeg jets head office for years now 
um, Nikolai Ehlers has has constantly produced at like a top line rate, despite being used at like a second, third line guy. Uh, even earlier this season was being used like a third line guy because that Lowry line is the actual second line. Um, I I don't know what it is. I think that Mark Shifley kind of gets what he wants all the time. I think that he because the Blame one thing everything on Shifley, I love it. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, 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 it's it's not necessarily it's it's just one of the things to it. Like, I, I think that there is a, a, a reality that um, that Nikola Ehlers prefers to play maybe not. 20 minutes and maybe closer to 18 or 17 or even though he was playing 14 let's just but like I, there there is a reality where he's a type of guy where the jets want to use him and allow him to use his bursts of speed uh and to they, they just want to make sure he always has his legs under him to provide uh you know his his um what's it called like his specialty the thing that he the thing that makes him special uh is his legs and uh, the Jets want to just be able to set him up for that. Again, that's uh, a, maybe a little bit more of a uh, charitable uh, defense as to why he doesn't get the playing time that he deserves. But when it comes to the power play, for example, uh, he likes playing the left wall where I also like him. I think that that's a great spot for him. Whereas Shifley wants to play that one-timer spot role, despite the fact that uh, his best results have always come from him playing on the bumper, uh, considering he's a guy who can take a quick shot and 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 also and roof it, roof it, and also has playmaking abilities so that he can you know maybe just do a one touch pass back to the guy who wants to one time it on the side. Um, I think it just has to do with Shifley likes playing with Kyle Connor, um, and Shifley likes playing a certain spot that Nikolai Ehlers also likes to play uh, on the power play and. Um, so that I think has to do with it, but also like the, the, like at the start of the year last year, uh, Nikolai Ethers was put on the top line with Shifley and, and Connor. Uh, and that was the thing that Rick bonus coming into the season in his first year was like, I want to see what these three guys can do together. And Nikolai Ethers got hurt like two to three games into the season. So, uh, his health has been not always the greatest. Uh, so I think that that along with being, you know, under, <laughs> Paul Maurice for however many years also probably didn't help. Uh, I won't even get into how he likes to use his lines, but it certainly was not uh, to the pro of any European wingers on the team. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm just glad to see that he's getting uh, used properly now because uh, he is easily the most effective uh, forward on the Jets uh, and and certainly has the biggest effect in regards to uh, possession as well as uh, the ability to transition the puck. I mean, one of the best players in the league at, at transition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's 100%. fantastic. Great skater, great puck handler. I, I love watching him play. And as the chat has mentioned like 15 times already, we'll always respect him for being the one guy on both teams who protected Jake Evans after that. Mark Shifley attempted murder. Yeah. Uh, one last question here, and then we'll close it out. Ian Kemp asked for Brady. Uh, when Connor comes back, we finally know, uh, we know finally comes out. I don't know who finally is. Is that Finley maybe or something? I don't know. Uh, but, Fialbi. Uh, Fialbi. Fialbi. Yeah, okay. Janssen Fialbi. Just yeah. Spelled wrong. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but when Kupari comes back, you think Gustafson comes out. <clears throat> See, this is tough. So, yeah, Kupar, or if if Kupari comes back, uh, he will take. Or sorry, when Connor comes back, he'll take. Uh, he'll he'll knock out Janssen Fialbi from the lineup, and then it's it's really tough because then you get into a conversation between Morgan Barron, who 
if I were to ask the three or the two of you, sorry, I looked at the three of us on the screen. If I were to ask the two of you, uh, is that a guy you think should be taken out of the lineup? Nope, probably not. Um, but the other guy then is David Gustafson, who has is is kind of a very similar player to Morgan Barron, less offensive, um, but provides a lot of value to the Jets on their PK. Again, Morgan Barron, also a PK guy, um, but he's also a centerman too. So if they have confidence in Morgan Barron playing the center spot, or I guess Rasmus Kupari playing the center spot, which he was at the start of the season, uh, I would guess that the naturally it's David Gustafson who does get pulled out. Maybe they, you know, put one, you know, they, they, they give them both uh, a chance here and there, but also at the same time, uh, I expect the jets lineup to, uh, to change a little bit in the coming months. Uh, and not just talking about injuries. Uh, this team is kind of ripe for, uh, a bit of a run despite the, the result tonight, they are one of the better teams, uh, in the West. And when you make a, a commitment to Shifley and, and Hellbuck like that, uh, you got to go for it. And uh, if it seems like they are on the track to um, to be able to put a run together this year. Uh, so I would expect them to go big game hunting at some point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they kind of did that with Niederreiter the other year, right? And mm-hmm. I think that worked out really, really well. That's another one that I feel like has probably extended the the stay for Shevel Day off here. Uh, so that's all for us tonight. I'm looking forward to watching the Jets the rest of the year. I think my takeaway from this one, I didn't get to watch much of the last one because I was, I was traveling, but uh, my takeaway from this one is that, you know, how there's physicality that a lot of hockey people are obsessed with. that mm-hmm. doesn't really accomplish much like the Ben Sherratts of the world and the time of being hard to play against. These Jets look hard to play against. Like they just don't look fun to play against. And that when they're in the standings position that they're at, when they have the scoring that they have, when they have the goaltending that they have, that's going to make some frustrated opponents in the playoffs. That's yeah. That's my view of this Jets team, uh, despite the loss tonight, where I think they were pretty obviously the better team overall. But uh, can't t- can't take a shift off against them. That's how I would how I would put it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, so thanks to Brady. Thanks to Hattie. And uh, thanks to everyone for joining us because it's always fun when the stream chat is bumping and get to influence what we talk about on the show and crack some jokes and sometimes make me laugh and throw off my train of thought. But that's good. That's a good (laughs) thing. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for tonight. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.